How are we doing tonight? Doing good? Good. Well, it is good. I know Kevin said this earlier. It's good to be back. We've been on vacation uh, at the beach, and so uh, it's bittersweet. I miss the beach, but glad to see you guys. So uh, we uh, are excited that you're here. We are continuing in our series, uh, Mystery Box. And uh, yeah, the idea behind this series is that you show up to Everlast not knowing what topic, teaching, or scripture we're going to be hitting on. And so therefore, it is a mystery. And uh, if you weren't here at the start of this series, Kevin taught on resting in the Lord. And it was so, so good. I know it ministered to my heart. So uh, let me just encourage you, if you haven't had the chance to listen to that teaching, uh, you can head to our podcast and uh, listen to it there. Uh, And so tonight, as we dive into the next Mystery Box teaching, uh, we're going to be addressing and talking through what the Bible has to say regarding friendships. So if you have your Bible, uh, we are going to be in Proverbs. Uh, We're going to be going through several different scriptures in Proverbs. I'm just going to encourage you to just turn to the book of Proverbs And then if you uh, need a Bible, we have some in the back that some of our volunteers uh, can get to you as well. Uh, So before we dive into this passage, let's pray and ask God to use this time for his glory and for our benefit. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we just come before you now. Um, Father, we come before you humble. Lord, we come before you asking that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word, and God, we thank you in advance for the work you're going to do in and through this place. Lord, I pray right now that, yeah, God, that you would uh, have our minds' attention and our hearts' affection, Lord, that you would just remove any distractions that might be there. Um, Lord, if there's anything else on our mind other than listening to your word right now, God, I ask in Jesus' name uh, that you would help us to focus our eyes and attention on you. Lord, speak through me. Use me for your glory. God, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross. Would your word go forth? We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, one of my favorite movies uh, is a movie called Castaway. And uh, it is a movie starring Tom Hanks, who plays a character by the name of Chuck Nolan. And Chuck Nolan gets on a plane for a work trip, and then that plane crashes into the Pacific Ocean. And then he drifts the next day onto an island where Chuck is stranded for the next four years. Now, during those four years, Chuck makes a friend by the name of Wilson. If you have not seen this movie, Wilson is not a human. Uh, Wilson is a volleyball that Chuck makes a face onto out of his own blood, and this volleyball, Wilson, becomes Chuck's only companion, his his only friend, his only uh, uh, confidant, uh, who has, he has conversations with on and off continually for the next four years as he is stranded on this island. Now, that might sound crazy, but you have to think, he's alone with no human interaction, 
And so desperate for a friend, he makes Wilson and grows a deep relationship with this volleyball. And so I'm going to show you a scene from the movie. So knowing that context, again, he's been alone for four years with no human contact, desperate for a friend. He makes Wilson, who has been his only friend for that long of a period. And so in this next scene, Chuck has made an attempt to get off the island, and he brings Wilson with him. But a storm hits. And afterwards, Wilson falls off the raft, and this is the scene that is taking place. Wilson, where are you? Wilson! 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 Good intro, right? Uh, Now, for those who haven't seen this movie, that scene might be humorous to you, right? Because he is crying over and apologizing to a volleyball. But for those who have seen this movie, this is like one of the most emotional scenes ever. Uh, I can remember watching this movie and literally with like tears streaming down my face uh, over this scene as Wilson is floating away. And it's comical when you think about the emotion behind a volleyball floating away. But the thing is, this isn't why we are emotional. We aren't crying because a volleyball is floating away. We, we are crying uh, for the fact because we feel the grief and the heartache of Chuck losing his only friend. His only companion that he has had for four years It's a heartbreaking moment, and it's a heartbreaking moment because what that scene shows is our need for friendships. 
uh, we can cry and empathize and feel what Tom Hanks' character uh, was feeling over the loss of a friend. And, and the reason we feel that and grieve that and would cry over a volleyball floating away is because we were made for friendships. Uh, God created friendships. Everlast, you need friends. We need friendships. If you are taking notes, write this first point down. You need friends. And Everlast, this isn't something we just want or desire or would be nice to have. But biblically, it's something we need. We see this from the very beginning of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we see a God that exists in triune friendship. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. There's plurality there. Uh, This scripture should cause us to stop and ask the question, well, well, wait a minute, who who is our? Who who is us? Who is this we that is is, uh, being referred to in this passage of scripture? And as we read forward in the scriptures, God reveals himself as triune. And, And here is what that means. Here is what the Trinity is. There is one God is existing in three persons, and each person is fully God. This is the way God reveals himself in a triune friendship. And that triune God is in perfect friendship, Father, Son, Spirit. It's in that image of this relational God who has existed forever in friendship. Everlast, there has never been a moment where friendship didn't exist because God has always existed as a triune God in perfect friendship. And it's in that image and likeness of God we are made. Everlast, we need friends. And again, it's not just a want or a desire, but it's a need. And the reason for that need is because God made us for friendships. God says in Genesis 2.18, it is not good that man should be alone. And, And we see this play out. There is a reason why in prison solitary confinement is a punishment and not a reward. Uh, There was a study done by the American Psychological Association, and it said the effects of solitary confinement. I'm just going to list you what the effects of solitary confinement for inmates are. Solitary confinement causes inmates panic attacks, depression, extreme anxiety, paranoia, and even hallucinations. And on January 4th of 2021, Ms. Watson Coleman introduced a bill to impose conditions on the use of solitary confinement in federal prisons. And this bill was cited as uh, the Restricting the Use of Solitary Confinement Act, which in that bill, it states this, an inmate shall not be placed in solitary confinement for more than 15 consecutive days or for more than 20 days during any 60-day period. Why? Why are days limited for solitary confinement? Well, I believe the reason for that is, is because solitary confinement unravels a human being by withholding the very thing a human needs, friendship. Solitude and sanity can't go for long. It's not good for man to be alone. We need friends because we were made for friends. 
And the Bible shows us some really sweet friendships. Look at Ruth and Naomi. In the book of Ruth, Naomi, who is Ruth's mother-in-law, loses her husband. So her two sons marry Ruth and Orpah. And then those two sons die. And so that leaves Ruth, Naomi, and Orpah uh, all widows. And so Naomi, the mother-in-law, tells her daughter-in-laws, Go, return uh, each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt kindly with me. Uh, basically saying, leave me and make a better life for yourself. And, and look at how Ruth replied to Naomi. Ruth 1, verses 16 through 7. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. That this is a friendship that was forged between a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law. When you think about friendship, most of us don't first think mother-in-laws. But what a sweet picture of a friendship that developed over time where Naomi had Ruth and Ruth stood by her side. Or what about David and Jonathan? Their brotherhood and friendship started in 1 Samuel chapter 18 where it says that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. To the point that in verse 4, Jonathan strips himself of his position and gave David the robe that was on him, including his armor, his sword, his bow, and even his belt, and gave it to David. That they wept together, that they fought together. Jonathan was more loyal to David than to his own father, who was the king of Israel. In fact, in 1 Samuel 19, Saul tells his son, Jonathan, that he's going to go kill David. And so Jonathan goes and warns David and tells him uh, to go hide himself and that he would speak to his father on David's behalf, and he does. Uh, Jonathan was loyal to David. Uh, David and Jonathan had a biblical and valiant relationship. Uh, When David speaks of their friendship in 2 Samuel, David uses words like, you have been pleasant to me. Your love for me was extraordinary. Now, when some of us hear that, we get uncomfortable, right? right? If someone told me, Tina, my love for you is extraordinary, right? That that would be a little uncomfortable. But the thing is, this was a God-honoring friendship. It was a God-honoring brotherhood. That their love and friendship for one another was biblical and pleasing in the sight of God. And I think the reason that that, that can be uncomfortable is because in the culture and the world we live in today, the world has completely distorted friendships. Our world has distorted gender, sexuality, roles of male and female, and has twisted that word love into something that it's not. Jonathan and David expressed their friendship, loyalty, brotherhood, and love for one another through words and actions And they had a covenant and a bond of friendship that was unbreakable. And those are just a couple of instances in Scripture where you see the praises and the benefits and the goodness of friendships. We need friends. Friendship is a great thing. 
And there are uh, many reasons and benefits to having solid friendships of brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're taking notes, one of those reasons is because biblical friendship provides accountability. Biblical friendship provides accountability. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. A good friend is one who will hold you accountable. And a friend who will hold you accountable is one who will say the things you don't want to hear, but that you need to hear. A friend who will hold you accountable is one who will speak truth and will call out sin in your life and will tell you when you're being foolish. Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Isn't that interesting? You you would think that this verse would say, Kisses are from a faithful friend and wounds are from an enemy. But that's not what it says. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Meaning, friends that are faithful, who have your back, who will hold you accountable, who are for your good, those are friends who will wound you for your good. Those are friends who, instead of speaking words of flattery into your life, are speaking words of truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. that They they wound us. I remember back in Texas, I had a friend, uh, we're still friends, but I I have a friend uh, who I led a uh, small group with, and we led together for a while. I considered her one of my best friends. We did life together, and I remember after leading one of our small groups, I just asked her how I thought, uh, how how I thought it went, like what what she thought uh, about it, and she was really silent. I didn't say anything for a good two minutes. And then she said, well, Christina, sometimes it's hard to lead with you because you tend to take over and dominate the conversation. And I don't really have the opportunity to speak in. And I remember thinking, oh, we about to fight. Like it's going down. No, I I did not. But I do remember being like, ouch, like that, that didn't feel good. Those words hurt. And I remember wanting to be like super defensive to prove myself uh, of all the times the group was silent. And I'm like, you totally could have spoken there. And I didn't even speak in, right? Uh, this, This inner lawyer was wanting to come out, but I stopped. Because listen, this friend wasn't someone who was an acquaintance. Uh, This wasn't someone who I'm now just getting to know. This friend knew me, cared for me, loved me, was for me, and had my back in so many other instances before. And in her saying that, did it feel good? No. Was it fun to hear? No. Was it true? Yes. We ended up having a really sweet conversation of her saying, hey, Tina, I know that's not your intention. I also know that you hate silence. And so when it's silent, you you immediately jump in and want to say something. She was like, I also know that you're extremely passionate and get excited, and so you want to share. And she says, and those aren't bad things, but sometimes it keeps other people from sharing what the Lord has laid on their heart. And listen, because of that conversation, I grew in my leading. I was able uh, to grow in sitting in the silence. I'm, I'm now more aware of giving others the chance to speak. I don't have to be the only one in the room who talks. Listen, faithful are the wounds of a friend. We need friends like this who are going to hold us accountable and who are going to speak in. Proverbs 27, 9 says, 
Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. It is a sweet thing for a friend to speak in. I love this uh, analogy, and I, I technically stole it from Kevin, but it's perfect when it comes to a good friend. A good friend is one who sees the cream cheese on your face, and you don't know that it's, it's there. And so you tell him or her so they don't look like a fool walking around all day with cream cheese on their face. And we've all been there. That those moments when you go home and there is food stuck in your teeth and you, that was lunch like five hours prior and no one told you. And y'all, it's the same with sin. Sometimes you can't see the sin. You become blind to your own sin. And then you have the good and accountable, faithful friend who sees it and says something. It may hurt, it may wound, but faithful are those kind of friends. I've asked this before at Everlast, but I think this is just such a good question worth repeating. Do you allow your friends to speak in? Have you actually and verbally said to that friend, hey, I give you full permission to hold me accountable. I give you full permission to, to speak in. Have you done that? And I'll just take it a step further. It's one thing to ask someone to hold you accountable. It's one thing for a friend to speak in, and then it's a whole nother thing for you to actually listen. That there's no point in having accountability or having a friend speak in if you don't take heed to their advice. If you don't actually listen to what they're saying. Now, does that mean you do everything they suggest? Well, no. But if you have a friend who is for you, and it is most importantly for your growth and your walk with Jesus to thrive and flourish, that this is a friend who, when they do speak in, it's probably best to listen. I love how one author put it. She said, ultimately, accountability can be a means in which God draws us through the friendship and fellowship of others to himself. Self-sufficiency says we don't need anyone, but humility shouts for help from those God has placed in our lives. God has made us for friendships. Friendships provide accountability so that we are able to grow in our walk with Jesus. Friendships provide accountability. That, that is what makes up a good friendship. Something else that makes up a good friendship and, and benefit to having a friend is availability. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. What this verse is saying is that a friend loves in all kinds of times, good times, bad times, the worst of times, fun times, tragic times, hard times, exciting times. A faithful friend loves in any and every season. A friend is someone who is available, present, and endures with you in all seasons of life. Right? They don't just bail uh, on you when you're in a tough season or when you've made a wrong decision. A friend is someone who is available and is present and is with you through the thick and thin. Uh, as most of you know, this past year uh, has just been a really hard year for uh, Kevin and I. Lots of really good things, uh, but also a lot of really hard things. And can I just say, I don't know where Kevin and I would be without faithful friends. Friends who show up, bring dinner, spend time with us, pray for us, speak in, encourage us. For friends that have cried with us. 
friends that constantly check in on us, and friends that point us back to Jesus. And in this season, these friends have loved us really well. These are friends that are available. These are friends that, that love us even when it costs them. Think about that for a second. A good friend is available in all seasons, meaning that that may cost you time. It may cost you money in certain instances. It may cost you moments of sacrifice. It may cost you energy, right? Friends are available and love you even when it costs them. Friends are available. A friendship is not when it's only convenient for them. That, that is not a good friendship. If you have people in your life that only call or show up when it's convenient for them, that, that is not a friendship. A friendship provides availability. I'm going to make time. I'm going to love at all times even when it may cost me. Last night, uh, we had one of our good friends uh, who called Kevin, and then he texted me asking if we were home because he was in the neighborhood and he wanted to stop by. And Kevin could have easily said, hey, man, like, I'm tired, maybe another time. But that's not what Kevin did. He said, yeah, dude, come on over. And him and Kevin hung out in the, in the garage and had bro time for a couple hours, and then he went home. He made himself available, and Kevin made himself available that that is a friendship, especially when it's not planned, right? We live in a world today that is so busy that it is so hard to, to make plans and make times and be available because our calendars are planned out till the next year. The world and culture we live in today doesn't make availability for friendships an easy thing. But in order to have a sweet and meaningful friendship, you have to make time. You have to be available, Proverbs 17, 17, again, a friend loves at all times, even when it may be inconvenient. What makes a friendship is accountability, availability, and lastly, this does not rhyme, but it's needed. So if you're taking notes, what makes a friendship is having the right kind of friends. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This verse is saying we have to have the right kind of friends. I love how one pastor said it in regards to this verse. He said, we make our friends, but friends make us. You, you get to choose your friends, right? You don't get to choose family. You don't get to choose your siblings. You don't get to choose your parents and the fun, fun family dynamics that might come with that. But you get to choose your friends, and who you choose as your friends will directly impact you. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. We need friends, but we need the right kind of friends. Uh, our friends make us. Our friends impact us. Our friends will influence us, good or bad. When I was doing student ministry back in Texas, uh, I was over our junior high and high school uh, girls, and I would meet up with parents when their daughters were uh, in trouble. And so when I would meet up with them, uh, the most common thing I heard from parents when it came to their daughter getting in some kind of trouble was this statement. That the most reoccurring common statement, almost verbatim, was this. Tina, she hasn't been hanging out with the best of friends. I mean, her friends are not the best influence. She's had really good friends, 
and, and then she started hanging out with this new crew. And, man, we're just praying that the Lord would provide her good friends. Uh, we really believe that her disobedience is because of who she's spending her time with. And, y'all, not every time was this the exact conversation, but it was a majority of the time. Friends influence you. We need friends, but we need the right kind of friends. This is why job references are so important. Because those references tell someone what they need to know based off that person's friends. I'll give you another example. If I sat down to dinner with three of your closest friends and got to know them, I would be able to know a lot about the kind of person you are. Why? Because friends make us. They impact us. They influence us. We have to have the right kind of friends. And the right kind of friends aren't just friends who are morally good, but who primarily love Jesus. You, you could have friends who make good decisions, but if you don't have friends who love Jesus, you don't have the right kind of friends. You, you need friends who will point you back to Jesus. You need friends who will encourage you in your walk with the Lord and who are for your walk with the Lord. Everlast, you want friends who are so, so sold out for Jesus that, that care more about your personal walk with Jesus than your friendship with them. Well, one of the most profound and impactful things that Kevin Jones has ever said to me when we were dating was this. Christina, regardless if the Lord has us to end in marriage or not, I want to leave you off better than where we started in this relationship. Meaning, if we don't work out, my walk with Jesus is better because of the way Kevin treated me and loved me as a brother in Christ. He cared more about my walk with Jesus than our own relationship. And just as a quick side note, if you are single or are dating in the room, I mean, my prayer is that that would be your heart. That, that if that, relationship's in, that relationship ends, you, you can look back with confidence knowing that you cared for your brother and sister in Christ in a way that left them furthering their walk with Jesus and thinking much more about Jesus. You want the right kind of friends that genuinely care about your relationship with Jesus more than worrying about if they're going to hurt your feelings by not speaking the truth. You need the right kind of friends. And listen, when you have friends like this, be prepared for friction. Uh, periodically, friendships will have friction. This is a normal thing, and this is a good thing. The right kind of friendships will go through Cruddy Valley. And here's what I mean by that. This is a diagram that we have used uh, here before it ever last um, that Kevin and I uh, got from our church back in Texas. And it's just a really great way to describe uh, biblical friendships and how solid friendships over time play out. So, so let's, let's start with by, you know, looking at uh, the blurry diagram. Here we go. Uh, first one is interesting. This is the starting point of a relationship. It's when you look across the room and see a person that's interesting enough to tape, take a step towards them to get to know them. Then the next step is cool. This is step two. Right? As you take the first few steps towards this interesting person, the intrigue builds. Right? When their name comes up in your mind, it's associated with great thoughts like, I know Matt. I know Jennifer. He, he's pretty cool. She seems to be wise and insightful and nice. Right? And then this leads to our third step. This leads us to Awesome Hill. 
Awesome Hill is when we've actually taken several steps towards them and them towards us, and a friendship starts to form. We like them, they like us, but here's the problem. Here's the problem with Awesome Hill. Those friendships are still superficial. We just know uh, the parts of them that they have allowed us to know. But we have seen their best characteristics. But we have been hidden from uh, their worst uh, uh, and vice versa. And for the journey toward family to mountain to continue, the next has to occur, which is Cruddy Valley. A Cruddy Valley is the moment in a friendship where we see that this person is not just cool, nice, wise, insightful, fun, but they're also sinful. Uh, They're not as perfect as we thought they were. And just another side note, finding the right friendships does not mean finding the perfect person. No, no, No one is perfect, right? We are all sinful beings in desperate need of God's grace. Finding the right friend doesn't mean perfection. And so in that moment when we realize they aren't perfect, it's at this moment we have fallen into Cruddy Valley. Uh, We have to walk through uh, uh, friction, conflict resolution. This is where we have to extend grace with the same grace that Christ continually extends to us. And this is the point where people can tend to run. This is the point where people can tend to run from friendship. They run from conflict. They run and decide they're going to start all over and find someone new or find a new community. And they never develop the right and true kind of biblical friendships that God has intended for us to have. Because instead of running to the tension, they're running away from it. And Everlast, the only way, the only way you can get to Family Mountain is by going through Cruddy Valley. That the only way you can have a biblical and right kind of friendship is by walking through Cruddy Valley. You will get there because friendships will have friction. When you have someone who's going to call out your sin in life, there's going to be some friction. That and this is the right kind of friendship you want. In order to get to Family Mountain and in order to get biblical, right, solid friendships, we have to go through Cruddy Valley. You want friends, again, who are for uh, your walk with Christ, who are with you through thick and thin. You want the right kind of friends who will impact you for God's glory and for his kingdom to advance. Who you choose as your friend will directly impact you. We need friends, but we need the right kind of friends. And lastly, if you're taking notes, we need friends, but we need the best of friends. Point one, you need friends. Point two, you need the best of friends. I love how one pastor says it. He says this, what if you had a friend who knew you better than anyone, better than you even knew yourself? And what if in knowing everything, he still loved you and even liked you? What if you could have a friend who by his very relationship with you would transform you to become a better friend to others? You can and his name is Jesus, and he's called the friend of sinners. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay his life down for his friends. Everlast, if you want to see the greatest friendship, if you want to see what the greatest friendship looks like, it is a person laying down their life for a friend. Continue on in John 15, verse 14, 15, continues and says, Jesus says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. 
No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I, I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Everlast, if you want to see the greatest and most heroic act of friendship the world has ever known, just look to the cross of Christ. Jesus, by means of the cross, is reopening the door for friendship with God. That that is what Jesus has done for us. Jesus now looks at us and says, because of my life and death and resurrection, I am now calling you friends. I love how one pastor said it. He said, to be a Christian is to know Jesus and be known by Jesus as a friend. Everlast, is Jesus your friend? Is Jesus your best friend? Because in order to become a better friend to others, we have to have Jesus as our best friend. You will not be a good friend to others if Jesus is not your best friend. Having Jesus as our best friend puts friends in the right and correct position, which is one that is valued but not valued above God. If Jesus isn't our first and best friend, here is how friendship will play out in your life. If Jesus isn't your first and best friend, this is how friendship will play out. We will put friendship in the wrong place where Jesus is meant to be in the right place of our lives. We will idolize friends. We will become dependent in unhealthy ways on friends. We will put unfair expectations over friends that are expectations only meant for Jesus. We will run from any kind of confrontation with friends in fear of losing that friend. We will become jealous if our friend gains a new friend. We will run to them first instead of running to Jesus. And we will try to find our place of belonging from them, and we will try and find our identity in them. Listen, friendships are good, but they are not God. Biblical friendship begins with Christ and extends outward, not the other way around. I love how one author said it. She said, followers of Christ find many good things in friendships, but identity should never be among them. A good question to ask is, to ask yourself is, man, have I made friends my identity in life, in my life? Have I allowed friends to take God's place in my heart? Have I allowed friendships to supersede where they are supposed to be? Everlast, in order to be a good friend and in order for friendships to be healthy and biblical, in order to become a great friend, we have to have Jesus as our best friend. We need friends, but we need the best of friends. And and as we close here tonight, I just think a good question that needs to be asked is, have you befriended the best of friends? Have you befriended the perfect friend, Jesus? Did you have a relationship with him? Do you know the love that he has for you when he willingly sacrificed his own life for you by means of the cross? That when he rose again, he conquered uh, sin and death because he loved you and because he wanted to be your friend. Have you befriended the best of friends in Jesus? Everlast, Jesus is the friend we never had, the friend we never deserved, the one friend we all need our perfect and right friend. 
Jesus chose us as friends. He died for us as friends. He caused us to trust him as our friend. And listen, Jesus will remain our friend for the endless ages to come. Everlast, what a friend we have in Jesus. We need friends, but we need the best of friends. Amen? Let's pray.